Hello and welcome back to Flowing Backwards, a podcast brought to you by me, Phil Peake, and the little man in the hills, Ian Four Candles Moss. That's past passport control in deepest, darkest Mosley. Right, this is a special that we're doing. It's a one-off bonus and it's regarding Ian's book, 100 Unhip Albums that we should learn to love. So we've decided to do a podcast to advertise it and the special offer he's got on Amazon at the moment. So sit back, relax and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it because there's some good tunes on it. Hello there. My name is Ian Moss and I am doing this podcast today um to launch um a, a spectacular offer 
um, through Amazon, through through the global, global conglomerate that is Amazon, who have picked up on my book titled uh, 100 Unhip Albums That We Should Learn to Love. And Amazon, uh, in their wisdom, have decided to promote this album by making, uh, in the UK, the Kindle version of said book available all throughout August for the minuscule sum of 99 pence. This is the same tactic that um, Robert um, Richard Richard Branson used when launching Virgin Records and he launched uh, an album by Faust, the Faust Tapes, for 49 pence and a year later an album by Gong, Camembert Electrique, for 59 pence, the idea being that these bands had a reasonable, solid uh, base of support to begin with, but by offering them music of high quality, uh, cheaply, they would um, enhance their reputation. And this is what seems to be what Amazon wants to do with my book, 100 Unhip Albums That We Should Learn To Love. And so I'm doing this... Um, podcast to commemorate that so we're going to play i'm going to read you a few little bits out of the book i'm not going to read you full bits because then it's pointless you buying the book um but i'm going to read you a few little bits and we're going to play you some music so here goes i'm going to read you a tiny little bit i'm going to read you the opening uh, um what you call paragraph uh about um, larry young's album lawrence of newark which was released in 1973 and then we're going to play you a track by uh, the aforementioned Larry Young we're going to play you uh, Khalid of Space which is absolutely amazing a mind-blowing record anyway here goes Larry Young Lawrence of Newark any hipster worth their salt will profess to dig jazz from the bebop wordplay of Ginsberg and Burroughs through to the influence on the French New Wave film authors such as Goddard, the mod movement, and the undeniable debt much of hip-hop owes to it, jazz has always been a badge to be worn that confers cool. That the genre draws this attention is a positive thing, of course, but the negative is all too often the appreciation of the form by the white bourgeoisie cool is almost entirely superficial. So they may allow albums by Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Billy Holiday et al. into their boho living quarters and enjoy the ambience of some smooth cocktail type jazz as background muzak in the coffee shop or micro pub that they're frequenting. But the care little for anything beyond that what they are missing is a treasure chest of creativity and expression and of that this album is a very very fine example here we go larry young sucking it to ya <laughs>
of all the bands that emerged from the British punk rock scene, um, one with the most uh, creative longevity, perhaps, well, there's a few to be fair, but one of those with the most creative longevity is without doubt the Mekons. Even though they have spread all across the world, they continue to make outstanding music and have done all across their career. Um, but unlike many of their fated um, alumni, they um, seem to fly under the radar somewhat. Um, strangely enough, I was speaking to John Langford from the Mekons on the telephone this afternoon, and um, and, and John's going to be playing some guitar on some tracks that I'm recording shortly. But I digress, I digress. The Mekons are fabulous, and I'm going to read you a little bit about... Um, the Mekons album, The Curse of the Mekons, from 1991. Uh, when this came out, um, I was um, I was in their company, and they were launching it in New York, playing some shows in New York, and they were amazing. They were they were probably the best band in the world at this period. They were so good. They were so effervescent, so spectacularly uh, great, and so diverse. And um, so we're going to, I'm going to read you a little bit about the Mekons, the curse of the Mekons, and then we're going to play you a track from it, Brutal, which is about um, the money trail and uh, the drug trail all getting combined into one. Okay. The Mekons, the curse of the Mekons. Of all the bands from the class of 1977 and the punk uprising, none has been so uncompromising in their stance as oppositional voices against the injustices inflicted upon the weak by the powerful. None have doffed the cap less in pursuit of fame and fortune while repeatedly jabbing at the soft underbelly of the rock and roll industry than the Mekons. They have trod their own path and produced stunning music along the way, easily a match for mega-selling peers such as Elvis Costello or The Clash. And for their troubles, they have seen exposure and audiences dwindle to a hardcore of devotees as year by year they grow ever more unfashionable. I state categorically, as someone who was privileged to watch a lot of Mekon shows from the mid-80s into the early 90s, that there was not a band on this planet Earth to touch them. They had the tunes, they had the intelligence, they had the passion, and there was nothing throwaway in their music. They were riotous fun and quite simply the best party in town. This album followed the A&M Records released Rock and Roll, which was a magnificent record that sold minuscule units. A&M refused to release this follow-up, meaning it was unavailable in the USA for a decade. Thankfully, Blast First issued it in the UK, where there are more quiet songs featured here than on previous albums, often sung beautifully by Sally Timms, Waltz and Wild in Blue are superb, but topped by Brutal, 
which follows the drug trail taking in the Chinese opium wars and CIA trafficking. The rough-hewn voices of John Langford and Tom Greenhouse roar and croon alternately, and never without complete conviction, as Langford states incredulously, this funeral is for the wrong corpse. So here we have it, ladies and gentlemen, from The Curse of the Mekons, 1991, Brutal.
This is um, by the uh, great unsung Cannonball Adderley Quintet, um, produced by David Axelrod, who um, was incredible, uh, had an incredible mind, great producer, and was involved in amazing music. And uh, his hand is, uh, is very much all over this. Uh, so without further ado, I'll, I'll read you a little bit about... Uh, this accent on Africa, 1968, by the Cannonball Adderley Quintet. Miles Davis had released sketches of Spain as far back as 1959. It was highly popular and quite rightly received high acclaim for its impressionistic imaginings of rich culture filtered through the prism of American jazz. In 1968, in cahoots with producer David Axelrod, in his most inventive period, and with genius arranger H.B. Barnum, famed for his works with artists as diverse as Count Basie and Frank Sinatra, to the Supremes and Aretha Franklin, he told, Cannonball Adderley cut this precursor to world music in similarly impressionistic style. It is a genius record, but was ignored and forgotten almost as soon as it was released. Though billed as being by the quintet, the music is clearly played by a big band. So as well as the credited Julian Adley and drummer Earl Palmer, the probability is that Joe, Joe Zawinal played keyboards uh, as he composed one track and others contributed further guitar and bass parts alongside a bevy of percussionists who give the record a chunky, funky vibe. So here we go. Let's have some chunky, funky uh, vibes. This is the Cannonball Adderley Quintet, and this is Hamba Nami. Thank you. 
absolute genius uh, next who made next to no impact in this country at all. Uh, but um, people who have listened to her uh, soon become devotees. She was a genius. Uh, I'm talking about Laura Nairo and the album that uh, we're talking about here is perhaps her best album, Eli and the 13th Confession from 1968. So I will read you a little bit about that. Laura Nairo was treated appallingly by the music critics of the day. They weren't outright hostile and negative. They were patronising and constantly heart on about the shrillness of her voice. Was it simply that they felt threatened? Could it be that in the male-dominated music scene of the 60s, a woman so talented, uncompromising and creative was not what was expected? It was a 20-year-old woman who didn't have a man behind the scenes telling her what to do and how to act. Laura had already walked out of one record contract, citing interference while recording her first album. For this, her second album, she would have complete control. From a basic classic pop, sound elements of soul, jazz, folk and Broadway show tunes, and they go to make up the rich musical tapestry of this album, whilst lyrically the strongest motifs are love and death. The album is fully formed, which is memorable for one so young, remarkable for one so young, and blazed the creative trail that eased the way for the likes of Joni Mitchell and Ricky Lee Jones, and inspired and influenced Todd Rundgren and Elton John. And let's play the track. There we go. Uh, that's a, just a little bit about Laura Nairo, and we're going to play... Uh, a very, very beautiful, uh, delicate piece by her, December's Boudoir. Kisses from you in the flames of December's Boudoir. Oh, see me 
And now, or a little bit of soul. Uh, you've got to have a little bit of soul in your life. You've got to have a little bit of soul in your heart. And a man who had soul, uh, and it got him nowhere career-wise, uh, was Howard Tate. Uh, never heard of him, some of you are saying there. So this is a soul classic. Uh, this album is genius. And mid-60s, a lot of soul albums were not great albums. There were a couple of great tracks and a lot of filler. This is a great soul album from 1966. This is Howard Tate's Get It While You Can. Okay, I'll read to you about Howard Tate. When people talk about the great writers, producers of 60s soul, they usually reference the Hayes Porter team at Stats or Holland Dozier Holland at Motown alongside the likes of Van McCoy, Curtis Mayfield, and the team of Dan Penn and Chips Moleman. Few will mention Jerry Ragavoy. Despite seeing Conjuring Up, amongst others, Stay With Me Baby for Lorraine Ellison, and Time Is On My Side for Irma Thomas. Likewise, discuss the great soul voices of the era, and Aretha, Otis, Marvin, Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson, and James Carr will instantly spring to mind but probably not Howard Tate, who was every bit their equal and whose album, Get It While You Can, should be rated just as highly as Otis Blue 
or Live at the Apollo by James Brown, or Lady Soul, Aretha's landmark of the journey. Ragavoy heard Howard Tate singing as part of the Garnet Men's Band, the Gainers, and struck by his voice, tracked him down to cut some solo material. Tate, like James Brown, was born in Macon, Georgia, although he moved to Philadelphia as a child. His voice was powerful, and within his range was a stunning falsetto. But his greatest gift was not his impeccable technique, but his ability to transmit what he sang on an emotional level. And so, let's listen to Howard Tate. Let's listen to get it while you can. In this world where people are fighting with each other, no one to count on, not even your own brother. So if someone comes along, and gives you genuine affection Get it while you can Ooh. Better get it while you can Get it while you can Don't turn your back on love When you love somebody You're taking a chance on sorrow Who knows, baby We may not, may not be here tomorrow So if someone comes along and gives you genuine protection. Get it while you can. Ooh, you better get it while you can. Get it while you can. Don't turn your back on love. I want to tell you a little bit about myself Once I had a good woman But I didn't count my blessings Oh, I wish she could hear me You see, oh, I've learned a better lesson So if someone comes along and gives you genuine affection get it while you can you better go on and get it while you can Ooh, better get it while you can don't turn your back on love I want to say it one more time Get it while you can 
wanna tell you tonight, you better get it while you can. Ooh, get it while you can. Don't turn your back on love. Don't turn your back on love. Uh, one of the joys of, of music and collecting records is that you're always learning. And 10 years ago, I knew nothing about Rasan Roland Kirk. Um, but I picked up this particular album, as it happens, uh, The Case of the Three-Sided Dream in audio colour. Um, and it... <laughs> It devastated me. It was so brilliant. I couldn't believe that I'd never heard it before, that I'd never encountered it, but nobody had ever recommended it to me. Um, and I became a, a great convert. And and whenever I, I come across uh, a record by Rasan Roland Kirk or, or Roland Kirk, as he was called before he was, became Rasan Roland Kirk, uh, I pick it up and I'm never disappointed. Uh, so anyway... Um, I'm going to read you a little bit about this, and this is going to be the last selection of this uh, podcast because we didn't want to bog you down with it. So I'll read you a little bit, and then we're going to play you uh, Chili Dogs, which is a fantastic track and captures so much of the essence of this of this man. So here we are. Rasam Roland Kirk from the case of the three-sided dream in audio colour. Rasan Roland Kirk was throughout his career a very, very underrated talent. For many, his showmanship obscured his musical gifts, and he came to be regarded as a huckster selling a gimmick as he would perform on two horns simultaneously. Yet he was deadly serious about his music and was always willing to use it as a vehicle of expression to make political statements and express his pride in his Afro-American culture. Utilising contemporary soul music as a base to work from lessened his jazz purity for the stuffy self-appointed guardians of taste. To them, he cheapened the form and was seen as a garish abomination. But that view was blinkered and flawed. Kirk was an entertainer. He was more akin to Duke Clinton than Albert Tyler. Deconstruction just wasn't his thing. He was blessed with innate musicality and was happy to display his melodic gifts, albeit through a surrealistic prism, while he shared a streak of irreverent madcap humour coupled with self-belief in his music with Charles Mingus, whom he'd played in the early 60s. This fine album displays his free thought process in every aspect, from the cover art through to the choice of material, and the fact that on its original release, this two-disc set contained three sides of material, the fourth a blank, as if to say, I refuse to fit formatting. Here we go. Thank you for listening to us. This is uh, Rasan Roland Kirk, Chili Dogs. Uh, take care wherever you are, and remember... Uh, if you like it, the uh, book is available on Kindle through Amazon. 
uh, for 99 pence, Ian Moss presents 100 unhip albums that we should learn to love. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you.
enjoyed that i enjoyed it i've read the book the book's brilliant it opened your eyes your eyes to quite a few things now one of the albums on it is goodbye elaborate road which is my favorite elton john album apart from captain fantastic uh the rest of it i can i can leave but i like this and the song we're going to play you out with is called a funeral for a friend and love lies bleeding and it's got lots of memories for me, this. It's about the only Elton John song I really like. So, as we go out, we'll be listening to it. And have in mind, it was an advert for Granada Reports as well, where they were on the water flume going up and up and up and then coming down and going through the water. And that was at Bellevue. So... Bit of local history there, yeah. So enjoy it, and we are having back to normal flowing backwards podcasts as from this week. This was just a bonus, and a good bonus at that. So thank you very much for listening. Go on the Facebook page, which is Flow Backwards, Leave a comment. Um, buy the book. 99p. Woohoo! That's cheap, isn't it? See you guys. Stay safe.